You're listening to the Glad Tidings Church podcast, available on Podbean and iTunes. Today we're going to begin a new series called The Aftermath. And um, we're actually going to talk about what happened after the resurrection. We're going to go all the way to the appearances of Jesus. We're going to go to the Great Commission. We're going to go to the day of Pentecost and the beginning of the church, the aftermath. Uh, a lot of things have changed over the years. In the last hundred years, a lot of things have changed. Um, uh, you know, I, I, when I think about the airplane and the Wright brothers and what happened, and then you had uh, the the, uh, all of the different flights and you had the hubs in certain air locations and you had flights across uh, to London and you know we've had so many different changes now we've space flight and all the different things that have happened the same with the automobile industry um, we, we're heading toward driverless vehicles how many have heard a lot about that and I know my wife is very excited about that for me and so uh when we think about all of the changes that have taken place, we, there's an aftermath. One thing sets a lot of things in motion. One decision can change things down the, down the road. And so that's really what we're talking about when we talk about the aftermath. And so today, the theme verse is found in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, Peter stands and he tells the message of the gospel. And in verse 36, he says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, this Jesus that we have just celebrated, that we've celebrated the resurrection. He is now both Lord and Messiah. The word Christ means Messiah, the long-awaited one. And then when the people heard it in verse 37, they were cut to the heart. Hit them with the truth and Peter they said to Peter and the other apostles brethren what shall we do what are we going to do Jesus is alive what are you going to do with that message what are you going to do with the risen Christ that's what we're going to talk about today so today we're going to take a journey with Jesus and it's a road that has been traveled in sorrow Jesus is traveling this road with two men, but they don't know that he is there. And so let's look at Luke 24, verse 13. Here's today's key verses. I want to give you just a few key verses. We're not going to go through all of the text, but we're going to go through 24, 13 through 16. Here's what the word says. This is after the resurrection now, and there are two disciples. They're leaving Jerusalem. They are disappointed. Say disappointed. And they were talking, and the same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Amazing. Amazing Emmaus. That was the theme for their chamber of commerce. All right, here we go. Called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. You realize how long it would take you to get there on foot? About two hours and 20 minutes. And a lot of times people talked while they walked, they were able to communicate. And they put their cell phones down and they just talked with each other while they were on their way. 
And the Bible says in verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. What do you think they were talking about? They were talking about the triumphal entry. They were talking about Jesus cleansing the temple. They were talking about how he went through all the trials, how they crucified him. And now they're talking about the fact that what has happened. And they go to verse 15 and they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. I love Jesus. Then the next verse 16 it says, but they were kept from recognizing him. You got to get this today. And he asked them, this is a son of God who's just died, rose again, triumphantly over death. And in verse 17, he's asking this question. Turn it, go ahead, verse 17. He asked them, what are you talking about as you're walking along here today? They stood still with their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know what has happened over these last few days? What things, said Jesus, about Jesus of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and the rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this has taken place. In addition, some of our women went to the tomb early this morning, and they didn't find his body. And they came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Let's go to verse 32. And they asked each other, this is after the walk has finished. They say, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us? And he opened up the scriptures to us. Father, I pray today that because we know you're alive... I pray that that would impact this body. It would impact this church. May a risen Jesus impact this community. May the aftermath of Easter, may it make its impact as never before. In the name of Jesus, we're praying these things. And all the people of God who loved Jesus with all their heart gave him praise that he was alive forevermore. Come on. Come on and give him praise today. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Taking a walk can somehow change your perspective. Sometimes when we're stressed out, we can just get outside, take a walk, get the endorphins going, feel a little better, look at the sun a little bit, feel the breeze a little bit, just take a walk, we feel better about it. One of the walks that I remember as a teenager was instigated by my mother. I was a rebellious teen. So for those of you who are parents and need some hope, let me tell you, God can change that rebellion real quick. But there was this evangelist staying with us. 
and we kept all the evangelists who stayed and would preach or whatever at our church. And so this man's name was Milton. And so mom had talked to Milton because mom had had it. I mean, I was sarcastic with my mother. Uh, I, I didn't show her the proper respect. Um, and I know that my father, um, he believed in discipline. And uh, that's why when my dad came home, I would go out in the yard and say, Hey, Dad, how was your day today? And, uh, and so my mom would say, I can't do anything with him. And my dad would say, What's the matter? You know, he's all right. Anyway, Milton said, Tim, let's go take a walk. And I was the epitome of the angry young man. He began to talk with me and to share with me things that I would not receive from my mom and dad. And at the end of that walk, coming back, my attitude had changed. I want to talk to you today about one of the most famous walks in Scripture. It happened in our text today in Luke chapter 24. Two disciples, one named Cleopas, the other disciple, his name is not mentioned, but they are leaving Jerusalem downcast and they're going towards a place called Emmaus. And as they are going, they are talking about all the events that had taken place. And then Jesus comes up and says, what are you guys talking about? And they said, are you a stranger? Don't you know what's been happening? This Jesus that has come, we thought he would be the one who was going to save us and deliver us. And But our leaders, they delivered him over to the council and they crucified him. We thought he would be the one to save Israel. And Jesus stops them right in the middle of their conversation. And he says these words. How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe what was spoken boldly by the prophets. And Jesus said, did not Christ have to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Jesus had told his disciples, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth three days and then I'm going to rise again. And, and the Son of Man has come to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus had told his disciples about these things, but yet they were still looking for a natural deliverer. They were looking for someone to overthrow the government. They didn't understand the fact that Jesus came to set them free and to deal with the sin issue that they had. But their eyes were hidden. They could not really see Jesus. And so from that moment on, the Bible says... From Moses on through the prophets, Jesus began to explain the scriptures. I would love to have been a disciple there that day and heard Jesus talk. Jesus talking about the fact that they testified of him. But yet in their minds, this guy is just some teacher. He knows what's going on. And all the time that they were listening to Jesus, something was happening in their spirit. Something was happening in their heart. And they finally after two hours, two hours and a half, they get to Emmaus, and it's beginning to get dark. And so they say to this person that they don't know who, uh, who it is, they say, it's getting dark, and, you know, the, the, come and stay with us. you got to remember, there were very few places to stay back then, and hospitality was considered a, a a very important part of who you are and you would bring people in your homes and you would feed them it was a duty of a person who was God-fearing 
And so they invite Jesus to come in. Still hadn't revealed himself to them yet. And all of a sudden, they start passing out the bread. And Jesus takes the bread and begins to break it. And the Bible says immediately, their eyes were opened. And the Bible says, he vanished before them. Wow. And the Bible says that those men got up and they ran towards Jerusalem and found all of the other disciples. They must have run in the dark. They were trying to get there as fast as they could. And they let them know that Jesus had appeared to them. And they too told these two disciples, yes, this Jesus is alive. And the world would never be the same. Now, what does this have to do with me, Pastor? We've been talking about the resurrected Jesus. And over the course of these messages, we're going to talk about how it impacts us. How it impacts us living in the 21st century. And I want to tell you something right at the very beginning. That many times when the life of a believer has been given imagery, a lot of people refer to it as a journey or a walk. When you give your life to Jesus, you have begun to walk with him. Say, walk with him. And so therefore, when he is with you, there are certain things that are going to happen on that walk. If he's alive and you want to live for him and you want him with you, you're going to have to walk with Jesus. And so here's what I want you to get today, the very first thing, and that is this. When I, when I thought that I was going to be a believer, I thought everything was going to be just absolutely awesome. I thought I was going to be on cloud nine all the time. I thought that I was going to be singing all the time time I thought that I would just get up and the glory bumps would just be all over me and I would just have a wonderful day and I'd come down and everybody would be so happy and joyful and the sun would be bright and all of the days would be so glorious and there would never be a time that I did not just lavish in the praises of Almighty God. I think a lot of people get tripped up because when you have left the kingdom of darkness and you're going into the kingdom of light, you are really going to face some things. There's going to be some transition that takes place in your life. And it's not always going to be easy. There are a lot of people who get tripped up. Hear me today. Because here's what happens. My mother-in-law and I were talking about this the other day. A lot of people receive the word with joy over the last uh, uh, 30, 35 years in ministry. I've seen a lot of people say yes to Jesus. They get excited about Jesus. But all of a sudden, a difficult situation would come. And like the Bible says, that they receive the word with joy when the seed goes down, and they spring up and it dies because they don't have any root. If there's anything I want to do as a pastor today, is to let you know it's time for us to get rooted and grounded in the most holy faith. And we don't live by our feelings. We live by faith and not by sight. So you've got to understand that when you walk with Jesus on the Emmaus Road, you're going to face the dreaded D's, 
the dreaded D's. What D's are we talking about, Pastor? Well, when we look at all of these things, and you've got your outline there, we can talk about disappointment is one of the things that we're going to face. We're going to face doubt. We're going to face discouragement. We're going to face despair. There are times when we will even be disillusioned. Disappointment? How are we going to be disappointed, Pastor? How many of you can testify to the fact that there were a lot of people that you knew that were on this walk and you thought, man, they're, they're with me, they're together, we're serving Jesus together, but they didn't last when the tough times came and you felt like you were the only one. We've been reading a book, uh, uh, The Pastors, we've been reading a book uh, called, uh, it has to do with leadership and it talks about the fact that we have to look at ourselves as leaders and it talked about Terry Linhart and he was a young man and he said that when he was a freshman there were three or four other guys that were with him and they all ran track and the coach said you've all got potential but he said sophomore year junior year they begin to fall off and he said when my senior year came I was the only one left you got to understand that there will be times when you will face disappointment in your life. We understand that there is doubt that we will face as a believer. And these two disciples had heard some news that maybe Jesus was not in the tomb and we don't know where he is. Could he be alive? There was doubt in their lives. And listen, the enemy, here's what happens. These two individuals, the resurrection had happened, but they lived as though the resurrection had not taken place. Are you with me today? I declare to you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has happened, but there are too many believers that don't live and overcome because they feel that, yes, I'm going through a tough time. Listen, if Jesus is alive and he's truly Lord, then you are an overcomer today and you can live in faith and live in victory. And so therefore, you must understand that doubt comes, but the enemy wants you to doubt, and he wants you to just go on in life like nothing has really happened. But Paul says these words, and I want to make sure that you hear them today. Paul said, now is Christ risen from the dead. Say that with me. Now is Christ risen from the dead. He's alive today. Now Christ is risen from the dead. I know that you have doubts. I know that there are things that happen in your life. But the resurrection factor overrides everything that ever happens in your life. It affects the way that you work. It affects the way that you parent your children. It affects the way you make your purchases. It affects your giving. You're going to face doubts. But I want to declare to you today that our God is alive. Jesus has overcome death hell in the grave. But the enemy wants you to live in doubt of Jesus' power. And you will ask the question many times, oh Lord, are you in control of this situation? And there are times, listen, I even ask that, Lord, are you here? I, I need to know that you're in control. I have doubts. That Am I the only one that has some doubts sometimes? How many of you face doubt? Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, then the altar is really open today. Because, and come up here and help me. Because I'm telling you, I deal with doubts. 
Vernon McGee said that we live in a day of doubts. In fact, doubting is popular. Doubting, being a skeptic, raising the issues and the questions. Nothing wrong with asking questions. I think they're healthy. But we also must understand the fact that there is something that God wants us to understand. And that is that Christ is risen from the dead. There are a lot of people who will give counterpoints of view, but Christ is risen from the dead. There are debates that take place. A lot of professors that uh, are in a lot of our seminaries today, and I hate to say it, but a lot of in our seminaries, our so-called Bible schools, a lot of them can tell you all the history of the Bible. They can tell you all about the theologies, but they have never met the author and finisher of our faith. In our universities today, if you go to a university and you have some type of faith in Jesus, it is going to be questioned. It is going to be challenged. I, I'm very thankful that uh, my oldest son went to, went to university, went to NC State University, and he came out and he still believed in Jesus. And, you know, there were times when he'd had to say, Dad, I'm in this class, and I'm with this professor, and, Dad, you would not believe what she is teaching and what she is saying to all the people. I said, oh, yeah, I would. I probably would. And, but, you know, he had to come. And sometimes we'd have to talk, and we'd have to get things a little bit straightened out and, and have some compassionate understanding. But I want you to understand today, yes, we live in a time of doubt. And doubt begins to arise. And there is another thing that can happen. We can go into a, a period of discouragement. Uh, one writer said that while they were walking toward Emmaus, the sun was setting. And the setting sun was in their eyes, and so they really couldn't see Jesus. I believe that a lot of times when people are discouraged... They go through a period of sunset in their hearts. The sun's setting for me. I can't really see a, a dawn. I, I really can't see a new morning. I can't see anything new on the horizon. The sun is setting in my situation. The sun is setting in my life. Bill Gothard calls it the death of vision when they said we had hoped that he would be the one. And this hope is all you have. And the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sometimes this discouragement that you feel can actually move into the other area called despair and when we hit that place it's hard for us to function and you do things and you feel like I'm not making a difference and sometimes people are trapped they're trapped in a relationship they're trapped in debt they're trapped in a job and they just can't see any way out and the disciples they didn't stay with the other ones they were not looking for the resurrection of Jesus they were downcast they were discouraged they were living in doubt they were disillusioned 
disillusioned as they make that walk back toward Demaeus. I'm here today to tell you, I know that there's some of you in this room and you're on Emmaus Road today and you've been through difficulties. You've been through despair. There are days that you put the cover back over your head and you said, I just don't want to function today. There were times when you listened to the voice of the enemy and the enemy was against you and people were against you and forces were against you and temptation was on your heels and there were no there was no one else that you could really talk to at that moment you were on an Emmaus road I want to give you some good news today I've got to tell you that you are not alone number two says this you are not alone even though you don't recognize him your Jesus is there even though you can't sense his presence Jesus is there even though you feel like the world has left you you've been forsaken by everyone you feel like that maybe something that you had anticipated it didn't come to pass on your darkest day on your worst hour and the moment where you feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other don't you ever let the enemy tell you that you are by yourself your Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with you He's with you today. You're not alone. That's the good news. You may not recognize him. You may not be able to see him, but he's there. Even though the enemy tries to hide him and tried to hide his identity as the risen Christ, his presence is there and you can make the journey. In 1980, when I really, truly committed my life to Jesus, there was an old song that Dallas Home used to sing. When all the plans of future bright seemed to vanish in the air, and nothing's left but do or die, he is there. I, I remember hearing that and going to my time of prayer in my vehicle and just begin to pray and just begin to call on the name of the Lord. You're going to realize something, that he's with you, he's walking with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You've got to understand that he's there. There were people in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, who basically said, Jesus or God, I can't do this without you. How many of you know you can't do anything without the Lord? And this was Moses. He said, I can't do this. And if you don't go with me, I will not go. I don't want to be alone. Loneliness is one of the most difficult and discouraging things that people face. We've been told about, especially during the holiday seasons, how people are alone. But I want to tell you something. When I look through Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, I see God's presence there with His people. Moses said, if you don't go with me, then I don't want to go. But God was there. He was there in a pillar of fire by night. He was there with a cloud of glory during the day, and it went before him. Joshua thought that he would be alone after the death of Moses, but the Lord said, I will be with you. The Lord will be with you wherever you go. Joshua thought that he would have to fight all of the battles alone. But there was one day that the captain of the Lord's host came and appeared before him. And he went before Joshua. 
He went before all of the children of Israel. And they won battle after battle. They won the battle at Jericho. They won the battle eventually at Ai. They won the battle at Gibeon. They fought the battles and won the battles over five kings because the Lord was present with them. The prophet thought that he was by himself. He looked for the Lord, but he said that the Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord was not in a whirlwind, but he found the presence of the Lord in a still, small voice. David, he felt that he was all alone, but then he began to think about the fact that he, even though he was a shepherd and the sheep may have wandered off, he never forgot about them. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd shepherd I shall not want he had to face a Goliath he had to face an enemy you faced an enemy before but I want to tell you that David was not by himself because he was able to write later in Psalm 23 that you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies and Goliath fell Job thought that he was all alone he had some friends but what friends they discouraged him even further but Job realized that he was not by himself because at the very end he said I know that my Redeemer liveth and I know that he shall stand on that day Isaiah felt by himself when he thought that all was lost because King Uzziah died but while he was there he said in that year I saw the Lord he had not left us he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple the disciples thought that he was gone these two on the Emmaus road they thought that he had left them they were on a boat and the storm came, but yet Jesus was on that boat, and he said, peace be still. I look at the churches today, and I look at the book of Revelation, and I think about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit who is with us today. But I love that picture in the book of Revelation where it speaks of the seven candlesticks, and it pictures the Lord Jesus walking in the midst of the churches. He walked in Smyrna and Philadelphia and Laodicea. I I'm glad today that Jesus walks the pews of Glad Tidings Church. He walks through Moorhead City. He walks through the Methodist churches. He walks through One Harbor. He walks through all of the areas. He walks where his people are assembled. I want to tell you, you are not alone. You may feel like you're in a crisis today, but the aftermath says that Jesus is alive. And Psalm 46 and verse 1 says that God is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Matthew 28, 30. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. He says, I will dwell with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. He is omnipresent. Where can I go from your presence, O Lord? When I go to the heights, you are there. Even though I make my bed in hell, you are still there. I can't get away from him he's my God a constant companion and I'm thankful that he has not left me today open your eyes and see the God who has never left you nor will he ever leave you hallelujah hallelujah you're not alone on this journey All of a sudden, Jesus began to talk to them. 
And in the midst of the tough journey, there's some things that we've got to do. Number one, you've got to take some time and listen to Jesus. Let his word speak to you. You know, you can allow your mind to wander all through all different phases of life. It will ponder those things. And you can look at the what-ifs and the opinions, but you need his word. Let me tell you, when I thought about this passage of scripture, Jesus basically lovingly confronts them. He says, don't you know that the death and the resurrection or the death had to happen before the Christ would enter into his glory? And the Bible says that he had to confront them. He had to stop them while they were thinking their negative. You know what? Here's what the Bible says in the New Testament. That the Holy Spirit can arrest those thoughts. And Paul said, we take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Listen, this is why you've got to get into the Word. This is why you've got to listen to the... You need those things confronted in your life. And that's happening through the Word of God. And so Jesus lovingly confronts them and says, Wait a minute, guys. You've got to understand the truth. You've got to understand what this was all about. And so the Bible says from Moses to the prophets, he begins to tell them all that were, had transpired prophetically about what Jesus was to do. Listen, his word will make sense of things. When you don't have an explanation, the word will speak to it. And there may not be a specific word, but you'll have the principles of, your, of the word of God, and you'll understand something about the nature of God, and you will be able to stand firm in the midst of your trial. I'm helping somebody today. Some of you need to get in the word you are you are not living according to the word you're living according to your emotions and you need to get in the word because the word is true even though there are times you may not feel like it I got the right group today I want you to understand this is a time for God's people to get into the word of God you need to know the word uh, Todd Juan has been helping us a little bit and and I love Todd I'm telling you what, he's got questions all the time. And uh, he'll come and he'll say, Hey, Pastor, what do you think of this? And we'll talk about that. And he, sometimes he'll leave you and say, Man, I didn't know that before. I, I'm praying a, something on this body. A hunger for the Word of God and a hunger for truth like we've never had it before. Listen, people are starved. The Bible says that my people are destroyed because there's a lack of knowledge. If you want to overcome and you want to have victory in your life, get in the Word. And here's what happens. While he was putting the Word in them, something was happening in their minds, but there was a fire that was beginning to burn in their hearts. Listen, when you begin to hear what God has to say, there's some peace that pl takes place in your heart. There's something that just begins to blossom in your heart. The Holy Spirit will show you things in the Word that you've never seen before. There are things that you have read many times, but the Holy Spirit will add fresh revelation to what you have heard. I heard something this week, and it blessed my life. I, he, a man was preaching about the tabernacle, and he was preaching about all of the furniture in the tabernacle. 
And he said, there's the altar, and there was a brazen altar, and it was very big. And then he talked about the table of showbread. He talked about the candlestick. And then he talked about the altar of incense. And then he talked about uh, the Ark of the Covenant beyond the veil. And some of you are new today. We, we may do a series on that and talk about the implications of it. But I, I thought about it, and he said, you know what? I believe there are a lot of people who are looking at the Ark and they're looking for the miracles, and they're looking for all of these blessings, but they need to get back to that brazen altar. God wants repentance first from his people. Are you with me today? And so therefore, uh, that was a revelation to me. Oh God, a lot of people are just running into the ark, but they need to go to the brazen altar. They need to make sure that they are focused wholly on you as Lord and Savior. And if you need your outlook changed, get in the Word. He'll renew your hope just as he did the two disciples. There are all kinds of hope. Three kinds of hope. First kind of hope is this. Hope's mi hope mixed with doubt. Hope mixed with doubt. You may hope that Pastor Tim finishes this message in about three minutes. <laughs> but you might doubt it as well. That is hope mixed with doubt. The second type of hope is wishful thinking. I can leave here and I can go on 24 and all of a sudden I hit 65 miles an hour. And I see a, a sheriff or a police car. And I can say, I sure hope that he does not pull me over. I'm telling you what, if you're going fast, that's wishful thinking. So what I want to talk about in terms of hope, biblical hope is this. Write this down. Biblical hope is confident expectation in what Jesus has said. Real hope is confident expectation in what Jesus has said. I'm anticipating what Jesus has said with full assurance that it will come to pass. He said that I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. So I am believing in that. That is true. My hope is in him. It is confident expectation that he will take care of me. I know that he will come again. The Bible calls it a living hope of the believer. That is not a hope so, a wishful thinking, or, or some hope mixed with doubt. Jesus said he would come again. He has never failed me. Not one word has come to pass that he didn't prophesy that it would come to pass. He has made his word clear, and he will come again. So I'm expecting God to keep his word. And he is eternal. He is not temporary. His word is settled in heaven. Get the word in your life and watch your worldview change when you begin to let Jesus talk to you. It is the most important thing in your life. If you believe that, say amen to me. Amen. Can I trim the hedges just a little bit? Now, I love, I love you and I love parents. Thank God for parents. Hear me. Don't, don't be upset with the pastor. Okay? If, if you're upset with me, do like Shad said. Pray for me. Make me a cake or something, and then we'll, everything will be all right after that. <laughs> there is a real disconnect today in terms of what is right when it comes to our kids 
And I want to say this in love today. You can do so many different things for your kids. You can put them and they can be involved in soccer and baseball and football and dance and piano and violin and tiddlywinks and whatever it is that you do. Hear me now. Hear me now. Watch out, Pastor. Hear me. Some of those things have become God and have taken the place of the Lord Jesus Christ in our homes today. Hear me. Mom and Daddy, you're going to come one day and you're going to say, What is wrong with Billy? What's wrong with Sue? I'm not going to say that it's all because of that. They've got to make that decision. But I want you as a parent to put the word in front of your children. And I want to tell you something. If there are Royal Rangers on Wednesday night, you need to make sure that your child is there. If there are activities for the girls, you need to make sure that your daughter is there. If there are things that are happening in H2O, you need to make sure your daughter and your son is there. Listen, if you want them to overcome and you want them to stand strong, how do you expect them to be strong if you don't get any word in them? That's good preaching. I know I've turned half of you off. I'm just thankful that I had some parents that did that. They had to stand their ground sometimes. And you said, well, you were deprived. No, I played all the baseball I wanted. I sang. I was in plays. I did all that kind of stuff. But there was a priority. Jesus came first. And you got to make sure he's first. Listen, this is a way for you to have victory in your life. And here's the last part of this message. If you continue with Jesus... He's going to give you clear sight for the rest of your journey. You know, I love Jesus. He could have gone on without them. But they stopped and they said, Why don't you come and stay with us for a few moments? You know, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit, I've heard of this all my life, that the Spirit of God, he, His Spirit will not always strive with man. But this is a situation where the men said, Jesus Come where we are. You've got to take advantage and say, Jesus, I need you to come into my quiet time. I need you to come into my situation now. I need you to come and be with me. I need to take some time just to listen to your voice. God gives you the gift of free will where you can make a choice whether or not you want to spend time with Jesus or you want him in your presence. And so, therefore, you've got to make that choice. So you've got to invite him into your daily life. And here's what happens. When you begin to invite Jesus into your daily life, the bread is being broken. And all of a sudden, Jesus will reveal himself. 
you'll begin to see his face. You'll begin to see his ways. And if you are not looking for him, he will not be found. I want to tell you that you've got to look for Jesus. Jesus was not so much concerned necessarily that their natural eyes were open. Yes, they were. They recognized him, but don't miss that. They begin to hear his words and the eyes of their understanding were open. That's why Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers that the eyes of their understanding would be open. Let me tell you something. If the eyes of your heart are opened, you can be blind and you will never see natural sight. But you will be able to see more than a man who can see with 20-20 vision if your eyes of your heart are opened up to Jesus today. And you've got to open your heart to him. And here's what happens. When you open your heart to Jesus, you begin to see him. You begin to see him as the risen Lord. He begins to change your countenance. He begins to change your outlook. There are days when I'm really kind of downcast. Days when I'm really, I get up in the morning and as the man said, instead of good morning Lord, it's good Lord, it's morning. And sometimes we we go through that. But listen, let Jesus change your outlook. Begin to allow him to break the bread and you'll begin to see Jesus differently. You'll begin to see him as Lord. You'll begin to see him as Savior and Healer and the one who can solve problems and the one who can turn things around. And this is what the Holy Spirit does when Jesus reveals himself. Man, I'm telling you, when they saw Jesus and he disappeared, those guys got up from that table and they ran all the way to Jerusalem. I want to tell you, when Jesus reveals himself, he reveals himself as a problem solver. He reveals himself as a healer. He reveals himself as one who can deal with your situation. He reveals himself as one who has already seen the outcome. And you can trust him that God is going to work it out today. Listen, let him open your eyes. Some of you need your eyes open and understand that we serve a big God. We serve a risen Lord. We serve a saving God. We need to walk with Jesus. And I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit does. He'll turn those dreaded D's of doubt and disappointment and disillusionment and despair and discouragement. He'll turn them into deliverance and decisiveness. And he's your defender and he's your dependable God. And he'll give you desire for him. And he'll give you a destiny and you'll be more devoted to him. I'm telling you, we need to let the Lord turn the dreaded D's into the positive D's because we need to walk with Jesus. I've determined today that I'm going to walk with Jesus. And I believe that sometimes we need to stop and take a walk. Sometimes when things get negative and get bad and you just don't know what to do, you begin to take a walk with Jesus. When the money's low, when the prognosis is difficult, when the pain flares up, when the person hurts you, when the struggle is real, you take a walk with Jesus. Afterwards, you'll find he has revealed himself to you and you're going to be empowered and you are not alone. Fear not. I am with thee. Be not dismayed for I am thy 
God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Yes, there was an earthquake. Yes, the angel appeared and said, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. But I want to tell you that Jesus went and walked among men and revealed himself to them as the risen Lord. I'm glad he went to two individuals. He went to them. He went to an individual by the name of Peter. He went to individuals to say, I'm alive. I love you. You matter. There may be only one of you or two of you, but the God of the universe in the person of Jesus Christ comes and reveals himself to you and he says, I am with you. I will speak to you. I am your God and you can open your eyes because I have your future in my hand. I'm glad I took a walk with Jesus and I have come back running all the way to Jerusalem because he's alive forevermore and he reigns forevermore. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Glad Tidings Church podcast. For more sermons, please search for Glad Tidings Church on Podbean and iTunes. For more information regarding our church, Sunday morning services, and other groups and gatherings, please visit our website at gladtc.com.